The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the college football betting preview, week six. I'm stuck in with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. We have some big boy matchups this weekend. College football is officially back. You excited? Am I excited? I mean, we have Miami and Clemson. We have the Red River Shootout. You can't say shootout. You have the Red River Showdown. You got SEC in full swing. Is there anything more exciting than having all this and the fact that we get a UMass game next week? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, UMass is going to uh, to Georgia Southern, so we'll be talking about that next week. We have a loaded show. We're going to first start off with our marquee games. We'll talk Texas, Oklahoma, Vatech, UNC, just a number of ranked matchups. Tennessee, Georgia. Miami, Clemson. I think we disagree on a lot of these games, so it should be interesting. Uh-huh. And then we'll get into the best of the rest. We'll talk some hurricane and wind impact. Brocktober is BYU free money again. Maybe some UTEP and uh, minor nation. And then we'll finish up with some FC yes or no. Friday night lights of a Friday night college football game. Overdog, underdog, money line parlay. Our money line underdogs have been rolling. Maybe we'll do a fourth down bonus and get some early thoughts on round robin from Colin after such a successful weekend. Uh, but first, let's get into the marquee games of the weekend. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week six. All right, we're going to start the first marquee game of the weekend. We're going to start with Texas, Oklahoma. At BetMGM, Oklahoma is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Texas, over, under, obviously high at 72-and-a-half. As you mentioned, this is the Red River shootout, rivalry. I don't know what they call it anymore. There's, there's also three trophies. This is the 116th meeting between Texas and Oklahoma. It'll be on noon at, at Fox. I think Gus Johnson will be doing it, which is great. Their first meeting came back in 1900. Texas won 28-2. to I promise you Oklahoma will score more than two points. Oklahoma's won four of the last five, including the past two years and 14 of the past 21. Texas is one and three straight up in their Herman Riley era over the past three years. They've met four times, including the Big 12 Championship. But Texas is 3-1 and one against the spread, 3-0 and oh against the spread in the regular season. The interesting thing about this game is Oklahoma's been a favorite of at least a touchdown in each of the past four meetings, but this is obviously under a field goal. You know, and then these two teams come in kind of scuffling. We're not used to, you know, Oklahoma's not ranked. Texas is this, this is the first time in, since 2000 that neither of these teams are in the top 20. And they're both obviously coming off losses. Oklahoma's 0-2 in the Big 12 
I mean, it just sounds funny to say. A lot of the issues have been on defense for both teams. But that doesn't mean that the offenses have been perfect. You know, Oklahoma, their offensive line, we've talked about this, isn't the same. And their running game, look, they lost their – Kennedy Brooks opted out. They had their next best back transfer to Ohio State. Their next best back is suspended for the first four games, including this game. So their running backs are not as good. Their running game – and this, this is what – people are always like, oh, the Heisman quarterbacks, the passing game, which is all true for Lincoln Riley. But it all starts with the running game. Everything that they want to do starts the running game. 2017, Lincoln Riley's first year, averaged 5.6 yards per rush, 13th in the nation. 2018, 6.6, first in the nation. 2019, 6 yards per carry, 5th in the nation. 13th, 1st, 5th. This year, 3.6 yards per carry, almost half of what they've been averaging under Riley. That's 51st out of, what, 70-whatever teams there are. And they even averaged only 3.5 yards per carry against Missouri State. This rushing game is broken. Spencer Rattler's playing well. But he's still very inexperienced, and he's making key mistakes. It's all on him because there's no help in the running game. These two teams also, it's worth noting that they've been just really sloppy. They're, I think, bottom three in the nation, both of them in penalties and missed tackles. So if one of the teams, if either team can clean that up and the other doesn't, that could make the difference. I'll tell you my perspective on this game, and then I'll let you dive in. I'm lower on Oklahoma than the market, much lower. It's why I loved Iowa State last week. And I think they have problems on offense. You know, they have wide receivers that are out also. I think that it's going to take some time for Rattler to, you know, to play a complete game without making those mistakes that we're seeing. And the defense is just bad. I know that they're going to get Ronnie Perkins back, and the defense is different with him. But the corners are bad. The corners are short, all under six foot. That could be a problem against Texas, which has a ton of size at receiver. And ultimately, I think Texas wins this game. But I, I make it a pick because I'm lower in Oklahoma than most. If it gets to three, I will take Texas. But I, I think I'd rather wait to get it live. You look at the last four matchups, Oklahoma scored. And Oklahoma's always dominant in the first quarter, especially the first drive, Lincoln-Riley's script. The last four games in you know the Riley-Herman era, Oklahoma scored in their opening drive. Three of them have been touchdowns. They've, they're always one of the best first-quarter teams in the nation. There should be a ton of points in this game. So you, you probably – it's a good game to trade live. So I, I, unless I can get – if I get three flat, I might take Texas, but I'll also be looking for Texas live, especially if Oklahoma gets the ball, goes down and scores a touchdown. We've seen Oklahoma melt in the fourth quarter so far this year. Uh, but ultimately, I think what the difference is, is I'll take Texas's running backs. They have better running backs. They have a better secondary – um, and uh, the more experienced quarterback who's playing in, what, his fifth Red River shootout, he could play in six next year because this year doesn't count for eligibility if he decides to come back. And, and I think Texas is more likely to get a couple turnovers um, against Rattler, which could be the difference. Yeah, I'm, I like Texas here. I would want three to play at pregame, but I'll be, I'll be hunting for Texas live. Um, I'm just not a fan of this Oklahoma team. I think they have a lot of work to do. So does Texas, but I just like the, the more experienced quarterback, the better running backs, the wide receiver size against Oklahoma's corners, and the, I think they have the more experienced secondary. Uh, two good kickers in this game, by the way, too. So what, what are you seeing here? Well, as a rule of thumb, before piss we off dive, Texas fans here? Of course I'm going to piss off the Texas fans. You guys are terrible. Uh, just a Razorback. Sorry, it's a lifelong thing. Southwest Conference. Richard Dixon coming to the games when my, when my parents and my grandparents were younger. Um, no, I mean, look at 
Before we dive into Oklahoma and Texas, as a rule of thumb, when you have two defenses on the field that can't do anything, generally the entire Big 12, it's a good game for live trading. I mean, you're going to have off, you're going to have runs by each offense of consecutive scores. That makes for good trading on both teams. So I completely agree with Stucky in the fact that you're going to get a good number. Now, for me, I was looking for the cheapest money line price on Oklahoma that I could get. Got that during the week. And don't think for one second that I'm not locking in Texas once it gets over seven, maybe 10, maybe 11. So once I can lock in some sort of window, that's the way I'm going to play this. Seems to be what we do every year with this game because I'm always, for some reason, not giving Herman credit in this game. And, and then I have to buy out live with Texas. But that's probably going to be the same formula this year. So if we get deep into the, into the analytics, you know, it's just, it's not pretty. I mean, Oklahoma's 64th and defending explosive pass. Texas's defense is just as bad. I mean, they're allowing Texas Tech to do to them. It, you know, there are differences in the early numbers with these teams, like Texas's 18th and finishing drives, but they're not explosive in the rush or the pass. They're really good at getting first downs, but they're not good at throwing the deep ball. To me, it really came down to one reason why I wanted to get a position on Oklahoma. Not only is it because they generally do pretty well in first quarter, which has been true because Spencer Rattler's success rate in the second half against Kansas State against everybody has been terrible. His success rate has all come in the first half. His Everything that he's done has been in the first half and not in the second half at all. So I think it's good if you want to get an early position in Oklahoma or even take a first half uh, number on the Sooners. But you know, to me, this came down to these two extremely pathetic defenses, which is what they are. And there is one thing about Texas that just stuck out to me I couldn't get over, and that's the fact that they've had three sacks on the year against UTEP, Texas Tech, TCU, three total sacks. You take out Joseph Asai, no one on this team has more than two quarterback hurries. That's unbelievable that you have not been able to have more than two hurries against that schedule. We are not in a point in our program where we can – not play our best, and expect to win. Um, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, if you look at Spencer Rattler's numbers, like we're talking a 30% like drop in completion rate when there's hands in his face and when he has people up at his grill. When, when he is left alone in the pocket to, to himself and he has time to think, he threads the needle perfectly. He looks great. Uh, but when he is pressured or he is forced to move, he gets in big trouble. So if Texas doesn't have any, anybody except one player that's forced hurries, then I'm going to go with the quarterback that I think that can make the bigger strike play, and that's definitely Spencer Rattler. I mean, Sam Ellinger, yes, he is going to be there for his sixth year. Not going to go to the NFL. He's really good at picking up first downs. I mean, they have a very high first down percentage every year behind Sam Ellinger, but that's not the quick, explosive, quick strike game. So I've had some arguments with people on Twitter this week. People, I, I put in my pick on the Action app that this is the second week in a row that Spencer Rattler has seen the three three five. And people want to remind me that Texas is no longer a 3-3-5. True, Chris Ash wanted to go to a 4-2-5. But in 84 plays, 84 defensive plays this year, per sports source analytics, they've lined up in 3-3-5. And a lot of their defense has been in 3-3-5. So I'm not saying that, you know, Chris Ash isn't going to change it up or he's going to do something different. What I'm saying is, is when a kid like Spencer Rattler, it's the first time he ever sees a 3-3-5 against Iowa State, and he is confused – well, this is the second time he's going to see a defensive formation like that with that kind of secondary. And so he should at least be better in his fifth quarter against a defense that looks like this. So my initial position is Oklahoma. Uh, I may buy out of it if we get a double-digit number on Texas live. But generally, these defenses, they're absolutely terrible. And since Texas can't get any pressure in Spencer Rattler's face, I think the Sooners are the play. Yeah, I think, it's gonna, I think both teams will be able to move the ball. I mean, that, I don't think anyone would dispute that. 
Like I said, I, where I think the difference will come will be in the red zone. It'll be maybe a mistake or two from Rattler. And Oklahoma hasn't been the same team in the red zone this year, mainly because they can't run the ball. Last year, what? they settled, Last week, they settled for a field goal at, like, the one-yard line. They've allowed – and on the defensive side, they've allowed a touchdown on every trip inside the 20 to power five opponents. Texas would have scored a touchdown on every trip inside the 20 had they not fumbled at the one going in to win that game against TCU. I want to see what Texas does with Jordan Winnington, how much he plays. Tariq Black, is he dead? He, I mean, he's in the doghouse apparently, and he transferred from Michigan. He's supposed to be like, helping out this year, and he's 6'3". He could do some things, but I, I don't know. We'll see if they use him. The, the, they got their squad receiver back last year, but God. This Tariq Black kid had, had the entire Michigan fan base, like, you know, excited and slobbering and, and crazy that this was the Shea Patterson to Tariq Black was going to be like – you know, the next coming of, of Montana to Rice. And, I, they, boy, he has. He's just fallen off the face of the earth. Texas is the other thing. Texas' run D has been so bad this year, but Oklahoma's just not running the ball. I don't know if they can exploit it. Good arguments on both sides. I think, ultimately, it's best to trade this game. Um, I'll be looking for Texas live and uh, hook them horns. Look out for a write-up that I'll have on Action Network app and actionnetwork.com. If you don't have the app, go and download it. Um, all right, before we get to our next marquee game, I did want to remind everyone of the Action Network Podcast Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network Podcast. It's live. It's a free weekly Yahoo DFS tournament specifically for our podcast listeners. That's you, who we appreciate. You can join by clicking on the link in our episode description. You just go to the episode description, click it. There's, it's completely free. You can enter any week you want or as many weeks as you want. And no rake, just for our podcast listeners. The top 10 weekly finishers receive over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes. And more importantly, the top five finishers each week punch their ticket to the Wild Card Weekend Grand Finale, where you'll compete for the grand prize, a Las Vegas trip for two valued at over $5,000, courtesy of BetMGM. Just join it. Just get a couple minutes to go for a shot at some free prizes. All right, so let's move on to our second marquee game of the day, and that is... Florida at Texas A&M. This game is at noon on ESPN. At BetMGM right now, Florida is a six-and-a-half point favorite over under 58-and-a-half. I'll let you kind of dive in here. I won't go into as long of a ramble as I did with Texas, but I did play Texas A&M plus seven, which I think we, we, we disagree on the number here. Um, I was impressed – by Texas A&M last week and what they did they made some bad mistakes in the secondary which I think are correctable I and mean, granted they were playing some of the best receivers in college football and maybe the best offense but they moved the ball against Bama all day I mean they that drop on fourth down I think we talked about this last week they crossed the 48 times and they just couldn't finish drives as of right now there's a big gap between Alabama's defense and Florida's defense this defense lost a lot to the NFL, and it's showing. This defense is just not getting stops. The underlying metrics are not impressive. On the other side, Florida's offense is rolling. I'm no, I mean, Kyle Pitts is my boy. I was hyping him all last year before he broke out. Now he's everyone's favorite player. He's awesome. Um, hybrid wide receiver, tight end, almost unguardable. And Kyle Trask is playing really well. That offense is as good as advertised right now for Florida. But the defense is leaving a lot to be desired. I think Texas A&M will move the ball just like they did against Alabama, but this time they'll finish drives. 
against the Florida defense that's kind of reeling right now and trying to figure itself out. Um, I think Texas A&M will get a few more stops than they did against Bama, and uh, I think they hang around in this game. So I took them plus seven at home. You disagree with the Aggies here, correct? I do, but the, I mean, the more it's seven or if even it's over seven, the less that, you know, I have that stance. I took Florida minus five at the beginning of the week on Sunday night or Monday morning because I just thought that that was too low. This is a number that I had power rated at nine, and it's a number that I felt would get to seven and get over seven. Maybe it still will. Maybe it'll hang out at six and a half. But from reading the market, any time that this number has gotten to seven, it has gotten serious, major, sharp attention. So, you know, whether a seven shows, I'm not sure, but it seems like every time it does, it gets slammed. Uh, there is a major difference between these two teams. I, I love Pitts. I, I, just like you said, I mean, he's had 12 catches and six of them have been for touchdowns. So uh, it's quite a connection that they've got going on here, but there is a major difference in these two teams. Florida's finishing hey, but Before drives, you get to that, you do, you do agree that – Florida has real issues on defense right now, right? Oh, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, 70th and line yards on defense? That's not a Florida defense. When does a Florida yeah. defense, you know, have 70th and line yards, which is, you know, can line yards is can you get the yardage you're supposed to get? Like on first and 10, are you getting the required yards? On second and seven, are you getting the required yards? Florida's defense is 70th in the nation. I mean, there's only been like, what, 73 to 74 teams that have played? That's herocious. Terrible. Yeah, get this, by the way, get this in your head, uh, everyone, because I have to do it to myself too. And it's going to be a moving target as we add teams. But for now, and this week, when we say like a team's 70th, that's basically like saying a team is 128th or 130th because there's only been 70 and change teams. But God. Yeah, I mean, and and seeing Florida rank 70th in line yards is like, it's shocking to see that, to see that their, their defense and rushing success rate for the Gators is 72nd. You can run on them all day. Now, that's not really a strength of Texas A&M to this point. And that's the reason why I was on Florida earlier this week is because some of the things that, you know, Florida is weak at on defense, Texas A&M really isn't the best in, in doing. Like, I mean, they're 56 in offensive rushing success rate. So that's not, yeah. you know, I'm not sure how bad that's going to hurt Florida. But, I mean, though, the, what really made me stick to this and not want to buy out is the offensive finishing drives. So finishing drives is how many points are you scoring past the 40-yard line. Florida's offense is second in the nation. I mean, we're talking touchdowns almost every single time. Texas A&M's offense, 67th. That's, uh, that's maybe a field goal. I think it's like 2.7. It's not very good. Uh, you know, Texas A&M's offensive line, they're 72nd in stuff rate. They're just not getting a push. They're not getting a move. You know, so we'll see how they respond. The, the defense really, you know, kind of let, let me down in my bet against them against Alabama last week. I mean, Bama had 9.9 yards per play. That's not very good. You know, I think it's going to be a very slow-paced game. These teams rank 49th and 63rd in seconds per play. <laughs> Anything over seven is going to have plenty of value on Texas A&M because it's just not going to be that fast-paced of a game. I'd actually kind of suggest an under here too. It's just not going to be a quick straight game whatsoever. But for me, I'm going to stick with my guns and have the Florida minus five. I'm not going to go buy back on Texas A&M plus seven. If it's a live number and it gets into double digits, Maybe. I mean, at the same time, I'll be trying to balance an Oklahoma-Texas at this early spot. But, uh, you know, for me, I'm going to stick to my guns with Florida. I'd suggest them at five. I'll suggest them at six and a half. I think at seven, it's time to lay off and start looking at A&M's way when you get the hook and anything above. Well, yeah, we agree on the cap here that it's going to come down to finishing drives. I think that Texas A&M will be able to finish drives against this Florida defense from what I've seen. And you're going based on the numbers that they haven't. And Florida has been really good at finishing drives. So I, I agree. That's what it's going to come down to. Texas A&M will have, when they get deep 
you know, inside Florida territory will have to get sevens because Florida is going to find a way to get sevens. So it should be an interesting game. And yeah, that's also at noon. So we're getting, get your drinks in early, start it, make your bloody at eight or nine Irish coffee at 10 and uh, get ready to get going early at noon Eastern. Uh, Cause we have Texas, Oklahoma and Florida, Texas A&M. Yep. And we have another ranked matchup at noon, if you can believe it. I actually hate this. I mean, I like that maybe there's two, but I like to ease my way into the day. I, I My ideal, you know, once it happens, I love it. But my ideal schedule for a day is I have, like, one game I really love at noon that I can focus on. And then, like, at 3.30, you bring me, like, four or five more. And then, like, six, seven, I have, like, six or seven more games. And But, um, yeah, we're getting right into it here on at noon on saturday that brings us to our third marquee game of the day va tech at north carolina at BetMGM. north carolina is a four and a half point favorite over under 59 and a half both these teams come in at two and oh haven't unc to me it's just that something's off with the offense just a little off some of their advanced stats as of right now just I thought this offense was going to be further along early on this season and they really could have lost to Boston College last week you know and they were their offense was really kind of yeah against Syracuse as well we said it was a 3-3-5 but the North Carolina offense just seems a little off Vatek on the other side we saw them get a win against Duke. I don't know how much we can take from that game other than Herbert looks fantastic at running back for Vatek. But Vatek escaped that game. I mean, they they had to because they were missing almost their entire secondary. Their four top defensive backs were out. Eight of the, for COVID complications, eight of the 15 defensive backs on the roster didn't suit up, including their top four. And their quarterback from last year, and the Hooker, he didn't play. I assume he's going to play this week and he'll be back. There was a chance he was going to play last week. But that secondary had a two freshmen and a walk-on starting last week against Duke in the secondary. So it was kind of iffy, but they ended up finding a way to get the win. You would expect most of those guys to be back this week. On the other side for UNC, if Tech can find a passing game to go with Herbert with Hooker back, uh, they might be able to do some things against this UNC Secondary, um, which hasn't really faced a electric passing attack so far. And they've been able to, you know, kind of, you know, they faced Boston College and they faced Syracuse. You have to remember that this North Carolina team has lost three potential starters in their secondary. Miles Wolfolk, their safety, he's ineligible, academically ineligible, which is big because DJ Ford opted out in the preseason and those two were competing for a starting job. And uh, their cornerback, Price Watts, also opted out. So the secondary isn't as was supposed to be a strong suit. It's still decent, but it's not as deep as it was. But this line's sitting at four. Before the year, if you told me this, I would have said, give me UNC here. And I don't, I don't know if Hooker's gonna, there's going to be some rust and him getting back into the flow. But something just seems off with the heels. What do you see here? Yeah, I mean, I, something definitely seems off with the heels, and I'll point to the key stat that Sam Howe is 0 for 8 on passes that go over 20 yards. That is not the Sam Howe we know. That is not the yeah, – Daz Newsom's been invisible. Invisible. 
I don't know what's – something's going on. I mean, you can't explain that stat. This was supposed to be the most explosive offense in the nation. And Sam Howell being 0 for 8 on passes that go over 20 yards at this point is a little bit of a shock. I'm pushing my chips under the table on Virginia Tech in this game. Hendon Hooker fully cleared. He was cleared last week. I don't think he was in game condition. I think there was still some COVID stuff going on. He won the job, you know, you know in preseason camp. He won the job just fine over Quincy Patterson, Braxton Burmeister, uh, and, and give credit to Braxton from Oregon. God, I've, I lost money on him, it feels like, in 2014. How long has this kid been in college? But Braxton Burmeister and Quincy Patterson held up as backups. So, you know, they, they've got him to this point right now. And you got to give Virginia Tech some credit. Missing 23 players over NC State. Missing 21 players against Duke. Uh, stay on the Virginia Tech offensive side of the ball. Khalil Herbert, transfer in from Kansas. Uh, you just go to Kansas, I think you're just eating up in a black hole. It'd be amazing if we saw Puka ever play in the SEC or something. But Khalil Herbert, you know, has, is averaging 276 and a half all-purpose yards. That's receiving, it's rushing, kick returns. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, we've talked about how much this Virginia Tech team has dealt with COVID, but the offensive line is doing some work. Of the 250-plus snaps of all the starting offensive linemen, there's only been six run disruptions. Six. That's uh, one of the most ridiculous stats in NCA. UNC, uh, you know, their defensive front, 54th in power success, 49th in stuff rate D. What does that mean? They're not stopping, you know, you got third and two, they're not stopping it. You got short third and four, they're not stopping it. Uh, that's one of the, you know, yeah, like we said, there's only 70-something teams going. So those are pretty terrible ranks. I think Sam Howell's going to have some real issues here against a Virginia Tech team that is getting healthier. People forget that Hendon Hooker, I think, got – six games, seven to eight games, somewhere around 10 TDs and no INTs. He's extremely accurate. I know that there is a PFF article out there floating around about tight window passing and that Hendon Hooker was right up there with Joe Burrow last year. And then it just fell off a cliff as to, as to who was that accurate with their passing. So if Justin Fuente held Hooker out because his conditioning wasn't there and he just wasn't ready and he's cleared, and he's ready to go this week, then I would expect that he would know best if the rust has been knocked off here. So I'm back in Virginia Tech all the way. Uh, I think the number – I have it actually power rated closer to, to one, to North Carolina by one. So I've, I've hammered it. I'll probably hammer it again. A little bit of round-robin action. We'll see here at the end of the podcast if I make up my mind if that's going to be in our underdog uh, money line parlay. Fair enough. I don't hate it. And just based on the eye test um, from what I've seen from North Carolina – all right, let's move on to our fourth marquee game of the day. We're going to move out of the noon slot to the 3.30 Eastern time slot on CBS, everyone's favorite game of the day usually. And we have a good one. Another ranked matchup between Tennessee and Georgia. Right now at BetMGM, Georgia's a 12.5-point favorite over under 425 um, I am almost positive you're going to disagree. I told you last week, I just a tease that I think uh, I'm going to like them next week. I played them plus 14. If you have the action app, you would have seen that when the line came out. I love, like, I'm starting to love some things about this Tennessee team. Now, they've won eight games in a row, and the criticism is that, you know, they're now, from based on recruiting, they're better than all the other teams in the, you know, they're kind of in that – step below the elite teams in the SEC, but much better than, you know, the kind of bottom feeders, right? They've kind of taken that next step, but they haven't been able to compete with the Georgias 
the Alabamas over the past couple years. I mean, they've gotten stomped in those matchups. Are they ready now to compete? I say yes, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I mean, first of all, Georgia, I think, has benefited from a really favorable schedule so far. I mean, they, their defense, they have 52 quarterback hurries in the first two games. They went up against just hilariously bad offensive lines. I mean, if you look at Auburn's offensive line, I mean, we know Arkansas's offensive line is really small, and they kind of just got pushed around. Auburn's offensive line, we knew they had to replace their entire offensive line. And it's like two-star recruits and three-star recruits. Tennessee's offensive line, I'm going to say it right now, is the best in the nation. They have, I mean, Cade Mays transfer from Georgia tackle, four-star. Brandon Kennedy, five-star from Bama transfer. Trey Smith, one of the best guards in, in the nation, five-star. Five-star Wanya Morris to tackle. I mean, they have a 247, the 951 composite grade on their offensive line. That's elite. That's elite. That's like Alabama. These are all five-stars across the board. This team is going to be able to get a push up front, unlike any most teams that – Georgia plays and you know they're going to give Guarantano some time and play action I think that Gray and Chandler will have some success moving the ball the Tennessee defense is much better than Auburn's defense right now much better than Arkansas's defense this should be a grinder the totals are 42 and a half which makes 14 points very appetizing in this game but I think on the strength of the offensive line and experienced secondary I think Tennessee is ready to not win this game but to hang around with Georgia, great kicker also, even though he's off to a slow start. And I just am not buying Stetson Bennett the fourth. We'll see what he can do this week. He did it against a, uh, Arkansas a little bit in the second half. He did it against a brand-new Auburn secondary. But this is an experienced Tennessee secondary. And, I mean, this is a former walk-on. And JT Daniels is back, but he's running with a threes apparently. And I, I think this is going to be Stetson Bennett starting on Saturday. So give me the balls, Rocky top. I see you, Knoxville. I see you, Tennessee, everywhere but Murfreesboro. I know you disagree. What do you got? First, I should say I feel like I'm compromised because I keep betting it's Tennessee and I keep losing. And everything that you said, especially about the offensive line, that's all true. Let's get something out of the way. Like, we've been podcasting for years now. That's our fourth season podcasting together, and I've never said this. My favorite SEC song is not the Arkansas Razorbacks fight song. Now, I love Tusk, and that is – the theme song to the podcast of this show. But I have to tell you, I think Rocky Top song is the best in the SEC. I 100%. Mean, no, I, I, I went there in 1998, saw Clint, saw Clint Sterner fumble, and they sang that song. It was in my ears, in my head, my entire junior year of college, and it's never left my brain. When I fired up the NCAA 14, 13, all the years that we had those games, when that song comes on, you just – Da, 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 da. I mean, look at oh, especially if you have money on Tennessee, and then they score a touchdown, and that song goes. Oh, oh. Great. want to get up and, i mean the lyrics once i had a girl on rocky top half bear other half cat wild as a mink but sweet as a soda pop i still dream about that the lyrics to this song are fantastic all right so what about capping the game so what's kept me off georgia all week is that i don't have this game necessarily it's power rated at 14 but i knew the number was going to drop all week and i knew there was going to be heavy tennessee money and i didn't want to take a bad georgia number 
So reading the market is what's kept me off this game 100%. I'm a little compromised because I do like Georgia. I think that they could have improved quarterback play. I saw their offensive line just blow through an inexperienced Auburn team. So I don't know how much I should take away from that. You know, Georgia's defense is already posting top six numbers against the rush and the pass explosiveness. They're already looking great in success rate on defense. Georgia's defense is everything we thought they would be. Fantastic at getting you off the field, but they can't take the ball away from you. Here we go again. Now, one thing that is scaring me is that they're 71st in finishing drives. It's not a big sample set. Not a lot of people have gotten past the 40-yard line on Georgia, so we're going to discard that stat for a while. But they are 64th in havoc, and they have had enough defensive plays where we can make an assessment there. They're not taking the ball away. They're not getting enough tackles for loss. They're not breaking up any passes. So that's what's kind of kept me off this line. Is Tennessee for real? Listen, I, don't, I didn't want to come out and just, you know, take Georgia out of spite because I'm compromised because I don't like Jeremy Pruitt because I don't like Jim Chaney because I don't like Garantano. If they beat Georgia here or they cover or they make, it, make them sweat, then I have to start believing in them. Like, I, I had a whole bunch of money on Indiana against them in the bowl last year. I, I've just never believed in Tennessee. So this is a game I'm going to sit out. Uh, you know, Garantano right now is 72nd in passing EPA. So his expected points when he throws, this is not explosive. He's just not – I don't think he can get enough chunk yards and he doesn't have enough quick strike to beat this Georgia defense. Uh, I, I think Georgia's defense is going to be great at getting Tennessee's offense off the field. Offense, a little bit of a question mark for Georgia. No play for me. I would rather prefer this lower. But if you like Tennessee, I'm staring at a board full of 12.5, 12.5 at bet MGM. I, I, it looked much better at 14, 13.5, 13. And a half, 13. I would wait to see if some Georgia money comes in to prop that back up. I wouldn't want to sit around with a dead number like 12 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I had to take 14. Like I said before, it's 14 is also a lot of points for a total of 42, right? Like it's uh, – so, I, yeah, I agree with you that it's not going to be easy for Tennessee to move the ball. Um, but I think that they're going to have enough success on, on the ground with that offensive line. And they just – I went back and watched some of the Missouri game. Missouri did got nothing in the backfield. That offensive line was just driving them all day long. So this offensive line is legit. Um, we will see on Saturday if uh, I'll be playing some Rocky Top on Monday's football review podcast. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Let's move on to our final marquee game of the day. This one we may agree on. I think we do. This is the primetime, our fifth-ranked matchup of the day. Miami at Clemson, 7.30 Eastern, top 10 matchup at BetMGM right now. Clemson is a 14-point favorite over under 62-and-a-half. I played Miami plus 15 all this CLV, I'm going to get smoked this weekend. When I saw that number, I make it closer to 10. Clemson, just eye test-wise, there's this isn't the peak elite Clemson teams that we've seen, especially on defense. Their offense, obviously, is Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. Their weapons aren't 
as abundant as they've been in the past due to some circumstances out of their control. But the offense is still really good. But this defense let Virginia do a lot more than I thought the Cavaliers could. The question then becomes, I mean, I make this 10. I'm a believer in Miami. And just from an eye test, Miami can compete in this game. The question becomes, can Miami sustain drives and or, which might be tough against Clemson, even though Clemson's D looks like it has some issues, will they be able to get enough explosive plays to keep up? You know Clemson's going to score with Etienne and Lawrence. I say yes, but maybe I'm buying into Miami too late. Thoughts? Well, you got a great number of 15. You know, this is, uh, this is a number that I actually make lower. I make it uh, around nine and a half, so I should be on Miami. But I'm not because wow. I, I am going against my own number, and I'm going to be on Clemson here. There was a, a 13 to 14 wow. at, at MGM. I, I would wait for a 13 and a half. I think we can get it. I think some shops are going to need that money. So, you know, we'll wait and see if that 13 and a half pops, and I, I'm going to take Clemson here and – there's just a couple things when I was digging around and I'm the boy, the Miami fans are going to call in and rip me up for this, but I'm I telling wait. you, let's go Miami. <laughs> Clemson has allowed just one rush of 20 yards. I think it was a garbage time run. Clemson has allowed one rush of 20 plus yards for De'Aaron King to cover this number. It's going to have to be in passing downs and it's going to have to be through the air. It's not going to be in busted plays. Uh, I feel like that Louisville defense was a horrible, horrible test for someone like De'Aaron King to go up to because he just shredded them. And that's not what the Clemson's defense is. Now, I do think Brett Venables has his work cut out for him. This is not the same Clemson defense that we've had in years past. It's showing up in some of the numbers. They're good in success rate against the rush in the past. There's some EPA issues. They are allowing some plays. Power success rise, 48th. Stuff rate wise, 48th on defense. Controlling the line of scrimmage is going to be a big deal here. Uh, But there's just things that Miami does that I feel that Clemson can stop. Miami's strength on defense since the 80s, since you and I were kids, has always been a havoc defense. Uh, 31 tackles for a loss, four forced fumbles, 15 passes defensed. This is the U, and that's what they do. But the problem is, is Clemson on offense is not giving the ball up, and they're not letting people in the backfield. And if you get back there, Travis Etienne looked like a circus act walking a tightrope 200 feet up above the air. They're sixth in havoc allowed, Clemson. So I don't see them giving the ball away. I don't see them making mistakes. Uh, right now, Trevor Lawrence is throwing at a 73% completion rate. That's 8% higher than his two-year average from the years before. He has yet to throw an interception. On the offensive line, we've been talking about Georgia's offensive line. We've been talking about Tennessee's offensive line. We need to talk about Clemson's offensive line. Because of the 414 pass-blocking snaps of the five starters, of all five starters and the pass-blocking snaps they've had, there's been 414. They've given up a combined one sack, Jackson Carmen. That's it. Handful of hurries, not much. No one's getting to Trevor Lawrence. We know he can run. He did it all last year. He hasn't been doing it this year. We know he can run if he needs to. I just don't think Miami – I don't trust Miami's secondary. Nobody has tested them. Nobody's thrown it that deep. I don't think Clemson's played a full game. I don't think they've had interest in playing a full game, obvious from the Citadel. I I think the Virginia thing was, you know, game before a big week, primetime game. Uh, I do think the pace is going to be really high in this game. Miami's ninth in seconds per play. Clemson's 22nd in seconds per play. Clemson's pretty fast. They're striking quick. They have big plays. You know, frankly, Miami has to hold their end of the bargain up to have this game go over. 62 is a little high. For me, I want the under in this game, and I'm going to roll with Clemson. I think Miami's going to give it their best shot. I think Rhett Lashley is going to throw the cupboard at them first few drives. 
And then I think Venable's I've had a buy too. They are coming off a buy. They've been two weeks. I think Venable's going to have it figured out. I think Venables will have it figured out by the time we get to the middle eight. Four minutes left in the in the first half. Four minutes in the first of the second half is called the middle eight, and that's what Clemson's dominated for a decade. It seems like I think Venables give him three or four drives where Lashley throws the kitchen sink at him. Venables will figure it out. I'm going to take Clemson to cover. I do argue that you probably could get a better number live, but I'm going to take Clemson here, and I think it goes under because Miami doesn't get the appropriate points that they need. Uh, I disagree. We disagree on all five games, I think. Um, yeah. And I, I have just bought into what I've seen from Miami. I think that there's value in the number. I don't think this Clemson defense is anywhere as good as we've seen. And the Miami offensive line is significantly improved with some transfers. They have a bye week with Lashley to prepare for this game. And look, I mean, Clemson, yeah, a lot of their numbers are good. They played Citadel, Wake Forest, and Virginia. And he, Virginia, Brennan Armstrong threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns yeah. and ran for 90. So I think there's going to be opportunities there for King. It's not going to be easy. I think Clemson wins this game. But uh, and remember, Miami special teams, man. We know Clemson special teams are going to be or usually struggle. Miami has a great kicker now and a great punter. Maybe that comes into play. Miami or Gallus bomb. We're waiting for Miami's field goal kicker to hit a 55 yarder in this one, probably. And their punter can boom it. Um, but hopefully they're not punting too much. Miami fans, I'm going to need you. On Saturday night, the call into the voicemail. If we cover, if not, you can stay silent. We're going to need they're you to calling either way. You and I are on opposite ends of everything this week. Usually we agree, but they're going to be calling in for yeah. one of us. One of us is going to have yeah. a bad Sunday. That wraps up our marquee games of the week. Five ranked matchups. Should be a hell of a Saturday. Before we get to our next segments, here's a quick word from our friends at BetMGM. NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Okay, let's get to the best of the rest. Let's, we have to talk weather here. There's a hurricane that forced – that's going to impact a number of different games. Um, from a wind perspective, we've seen a number of totals crash. As a result, we've seen LSU-Missouri move from Baton Rouge to Columbia from night to a noon kick now. I like Missouri, by the way, at 14 or better. LSU, they did dominate. Vanderbilt from a score perspective, but there was opportunities for Vanderbilt in that game. And that, I mean, Vanderbilt's just terrible. Um, and they had drops and I went back and looked at Missouri. They've been plagued by drops. And that's one of the reasons Baselick has been, has struggled, but he's actually, when I watched that Tennessee game, he's given his receivers chances. Uh, this LSU team, remember lost 19 starters and now their offensive line is in flux. Might have to bring a defensive player 
back over to play guard. Their starting guard and tackle might not play. I like them 14 or more, but I digress. Battle Ole Miss might get canceled. Maybe not, but there's going to be win there. And then Arkansas-Auburn as well. I made a mistake. The one game I did not get any closing line value on, I'm curious to get your thoughts on all three of those SEC games and any other win games you want to mention. I made a mistake. I bet our, I bet Auburn minus 16. I think that, look, they're going to have – Bo Nick's going to have time to throw. He's actually going against a defensive line that their offensive line can control. Maybe a little bit of a letdown factor here for Arkansas as well. I think Auburn kind of will take out its frustrations from last week against Arkansas. I think – I thought that this had blood written all over it. So I laid 16, awful number. You can get 13 at down. And my mistake is that I didn't think about the weather coming. And then the, the, the total dropped about a touchdown. So obviously the side dropped as well. So I cost myself getting under two touchdowns and I'm now laying 16, which is a terrible number. Bo Nick season in full effect. Uh, but what are your thoughts across the board on any wind totals or those SEC games that I mentioned? Obviously, we want to get your thoughts on uh, your Razorback, your Hogs. Can they go for yeah. two in a row? Woo, pig suey. Absolute dumpster fire, dumpster fire. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence. Collins talking Razorback football. It's one thing to call a big dog, and then it's one thing to cut a video, and then it's one thing to have it be your own team, you know? I mean, that's it's really the trifecta there. Uh, but, you know, I think this week we're going to come back to reality. I thought what Mississippi State did in week one, there was, you know, a way for Arkansas to beat them. And I believe in this coaching staff. I, I said the direction was moving in the right uh, moving in the right way, and they showed that against Mississippi State. Now you have to deal with your – team that just got a huge, huge win. First time they've had an SEC victory in years. Uh, probably nobody on this squad was even on the 17 team. I'd have to think about that for a minute. Uh, but, you know, so now we've had that win and we have to go back on the road again and we're going into a hurricane. Uh, and for me, this was an under the entire time. Listen, Arkansas is terrible at finishing drives. KJ Jefferson, our, our future star quarterback, he fumbled at the two-yard line. I mean, you think about what that score was for such a long time. We had a chance to pile it on, and, and, and our Arkansas backup quarterback, who, who will be our star quarterback someday, fumbled at the two. We're, we're a work in progress. Arkansas is a work in progress. I don't think you're completely skunked with that 16. I, I was thinking about playing the 13 myself. The weather bothers me. I mean, Hurricane Delta coming in could have 35-mile-an-hour wind gusts precipitation. Arkansas is almost dead last in scoring points when they get past the opponent 40-yard line. Arkansas's D is the best in the nation against pass explosiveness. Hey, pick, they're picking six. They're making life hell for quarterbacks, but we're in a hurricane. <laughs> there might not be a lot of passing. Bo Nix might not be throwing it down the field when there's this kind of wind gust. You know, so I don't see either team moving the ball much. Project this around 15. Uh, I, I think you might be okay with the 16. For me, I've got an underbet on it. I'm just going to stick with that, see how the weather plays out. As far as LSU Missouri goes, uh, you know, Baselick, you're right. He, he, he can, he's about a 50% completion rate. That's without pressure. He's had some drops. Uh, but, you know, Missouri's D allowed a handful of 30-plus yard passes through two games. Uh, and it feels like to me they just kind of gave up last week. I mean, Sean Robinson came in for two drives, was out the rest of the game, and then the Missouri defense didn't show up at all. So they've got to do better there. Not really an opinion on that game. Bam Ole Miss, I've, I've hammered the under knowing that that hurricane was going to come in. Now we've got a game time move to later on in the evening. Uh, check AccuWeather. We're looking at 35-mile-an-hour wind gusts in the day, down to 20-mile-an-hour wind gusts at night. I'm still not sure it's safe. 
I can't believe that they haven't tried to move this game. Kiffin came out last night. We're recording on Thursday night. Kiffin came out late on Wednesday night and said, there are options on the table to play this game on Friday. There's options on the table to play this game on Sunday. Uh, And then as far as you and I recording this, they just moved the game like two hours back, trying to miss a little bit of that wind. If they're still playing that game on Saturday night, then I think the first half under is worth a play because that wind is 30 miles per hour. The gusts are going to be there. It's still going to be there in the first half. They can't escape that. The Ole Miss defense, listen, if there was no weather at all, this, this thing would fly over the 70s. It should be in the 70s, right? I mean, Ole Miss defense is terrible. 74th of rushing, 73rd passing success rate. Their success rate is worst in the nation. It's not even close. Uh, but offensively, Ole Miss is top five in, in passing success rate, and they're top five in seconds per play. Uh, Ole Miss is going to be a problem for people. But this hurricane just changes the game completely. Uh, this is not going to be Kiffin and Saban on a nice, calm weather evening taking shots at each other, although they already are. There was a tweet – I'm sorry, there was a statement put out by Saban last night saying, I may be old and I've had a hip replacement, but at least I know how to cover a ball game. Uh, <laughs> shots fired. So don't think for two seconds. These two do like each other a lot. Uh, they are personal and friends with each other. But don't think that they don't want to rub it in each other's face. And by the way, Saban hates Ole Miss. He lost in Oxford back in the Hugh Freeze days. He does not take a trip to, to Ole Miss lightly anymore. Uh, but the hurricane changes everything. So for me, they keep this thing on Saturday night, play a first half under. Do you, would you lean towards Ole Miss in the points since you think it's going to be lower scoring? Uh I, yeah, I, I do, because if it's going to be lower scoring, then that gives value to the 24. I think that 24 is inflated anyways. I believe I have this number around 19 or 20. So it's a little high anyways. Uh, the footing, I, I thought about this a lot. Like, does the, does the field condition and the turf and the weather, does that affect the defense or does that affect the offense? When you have skill positions like Elijah Moore, Jalen Waddle, both sides of the ball, maybe it hurts the defense more because they don't know what angle the, the runner is going to go. But then again, how far is Mac Jones going to be throwing the ball down the field? How far is Matt Coral going to be throwing the ball down the field? So, you know, I, I think I think there's value in the Ole Miss number with the weather, and I think there's value in the first half under. All right, let's move on here and move on to some rapid fire. Uh, let's cover a bunch of other games here that we wanted to get to. Have to mention Brocktober. There he goes, Brock Purdy. It is officially his month he deserves the call out for the win the money line win last week against oklahoma they've been a covering and winning machine in october under purdy under campbell this week at BetMGM, right now they're 12 and a half point favorites at home against texas tech do you worry about the letdown is this just hey we have to back purdy because it's october and that's what you do any thoughts on this game yeah, I would take Iowa State in this game. Uh, you know, we're going to see Al Bowman's going to play. Uh, he's the king of first reads, and what I mean by that is he is terrible when he goes to his second, third, and fourth option. He is a hot route machine, which means he can hit his first receiver, and if that can't be stopped, he's going to tear a team apart. Texas Tech's only had one sack this season, and it's because Bowman takes the snap and he immediately rifles it to his first read. So if you get any kind of defense whatsoever that's good enough to find out who the hot read is, who the hot route is, and the first option, then you're going to be able to stop that. Uh, you know, Iowa State's going to be able to do that. This is, a, this is a great passing defense. They just proved it against Oklahoma. You know, on the other side of the ball, Texas Tech's D is 63rd in passing success rate. That's terrible against Brock Purdy. They're 66th in Havoc. They're not going to take the ball away. 
They're not going to tackle Iowa State in the backfield, and they're not going to have any passes defensed in this game. Iowa State's covered four of the last five in this series because it's an, it's an easy game plan. Just find out where Bowman's throwing the ball to, who his hot route is, and defend that person because he can't throw to second, third, and fourth options. So I'm rolling with the Cyclones this week. Take the 12. Well, if I see that come across the app, I am obliged to follow because it is Brocktober, so I'll be joining you. So we finally agree on something. We also might agree on this next topic. BYU is a 35-point home favorite against UTSA. Look, BYU has looked so impressive. They played garbage. They played absolute garbage. But just, I mean, Zach Wilson, a quarterback, has been unbelievable. They passed the eye test, right? It's one of those things where they're demolishing these teams, even though they're shitty teams. I'm aggressively adjusting BYU so much. I'm like, I can't believe I'm moving them up this much. And I still can't get close to this number. I'm at 30. So I had to take plus 35 with Meet Meet. I was hoping it didn't get to 35, and I was going to not take it. I was going to convince myself I don't want to lose any more money to BYU. And then it went to 35. So here we are making our our weekly Mormon donation uh, to the Church of Latter-day Saints. Are we going to make another donation this week, or can we finally get a, a winner with Meet Meet? Yeah, listen, you're, you're on it with me, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you here. This number's too high. Uh, you know, I keep repeating myself with BYU every week. Number's too high, or maybe I'm just too off. But, I mean, I think the number's too high. Let's take a look at – I mean, this isn't just I'm fading BYU because they have overlooked to Houston on Friday night next week. They do have a short week coming up, but that's not what's going on. I was completely ready to just lay off this game, have nothing to do with it, let UTSA travel up to Provo and get the doors blown off of them. And then I listened to Kalani Sataki in his press conference on Monday. And all he could talk about was the fact that UTSA uses tight ends to block. They use 12. They use 11. They use 12. They use 11. Sometimes there's two tight end sets. They love to run the ball. They want to be physical. They use a tight end. They use a tight end. That's all I heard. So I went back and I looked. Troy, La Tech, Navy, none of them use a tight end. They all run 10, 20, or 30. I mean, think about Navy. They don't use tight ends. They run three running backs. That's 30. You know, LaTeX and Troy ran 10 and 20. They don't use tight ends. So the reason why Kalani Sataki mentioned it so much is because they have yet to go up against a team that uses tight ends or have a team that's blocked them in in a rushing situation with tight ends. You know, and then if you look at, you know, what they're going to play next week with Houston, we think it's going to be all 11, so there'll be a tight end involved there, but they definitely won't see any 12. So you have to wonder if defensively they're getting ready to have two tight ends on the field and just try to get through this game and get ready for Houston next week. I don't know. Listen, Tonga is a monster in the middle, uh, but we're going to see what UTSA can do on off-tackle runs. Uh, I think they can do enough. I think they can get enough points on the board. They're definitely showing it with their explosiveness. So I'm going to say UTSA gets enough on the board to cover this. Sataki may just want to get out. I mean, I know he took a knee against Troy, and everybody got that under that we, that we played a couple weeks ago. But I think Sataki may want to get out of this game and think about the biggest game left on their schedule, which is Houston next week, because they have a absolute clear path to an undefeated season if they can get past Houston on Friday night. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Meet Meep in the 35. Pray for us. All right, let's move on here to Mississippi State at Kentucky. Kentucky is a one-and-a-half-point home favorite, over under 57-and-a-half. I do have to – pat myself on the back for 
everything I rambled about and wrote about Kentucky's past defense. It's been exposed. It's been one of the worst in the nation so far this year. Last year they were number two in pass yards allowed, and it was all flukes, like we said and talked about, and that has shown. So that's not really a great omen Go before you face a Mike Leach offense, but will they be able to just sit back in the zone like Arkansas did and slow – Mississippi State down. Can Kentucky do enough on the ground and on offense to get this cover? Uh, I don't really have a strong feel on this game. I was initially thinking about the over, um, to be frank, but I I think I'm going to be staying away here um, unless you can swing me or I find anything else digging the rest of the week. What do you see here? Uh, I kind of like the Mississippi State in this game. I think they'll get up off the schneid here. Uh, You know, Kentucky does run – a 3-3-5 and a 3-4-4 so far this year. So there's not a really big schematic change uh, that they're going to have to go through as far as rushing three and dropping eight. Uh, they should know the air raid well. Uh, it originated with Hal Mummy at Kentucky. Original air raid and Hal Mummy coming out of Kentucky, yet Kentucky has no vertical passing game this year whatsoever. They're 74th in passing success rate. That's, uh, that's a problem. Uh, so, now there's a lot of things with Kentucky I have issues with. I, I, I know who they played. I know their schedule. But the biggest issue that I have with Kentucky, their red zone D is atrocious. They, opponents have had 10 red zone trips, and they've come away with eight touchdowns. Uh, there's no way I could take an under in this game. Uh, Mississippi State's D, they've had six red zone trips by opponents and allowed five scores. There's just no way I could ever take an under in this game because people are scoring a will against both of these defenses. Uh, I think Mississippi State's going to, you know, KJ Costello will be fine. I think he has a better day than he did against Arkansas. Kentucky is has a non-existent passing game right now. They have got to get it together through the air. So I, li- I prefer Mississippi State here, and I prefer an over. Uh, I haven't bet it. I haven't bet the over, but I have, I have put a little bit on Mississippi State here. Fair enough. Uh, all right, let's move on to another game that I'm excited to bet, but also dreading, and that's UTEP. We got to talk about El Paso. El Paso. We're talking minor nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. I know my people down in minor nation itching to call this week, but I backed you. I took UTEP. This could get scary this weekend. There's no, I didn't bet any Kansas, but I have UTEP and UTSA. Meep, meep, and minor nation. Uh, I took UTEP plus 14 and a half. At, right now it's at BetMGM at Louisiana Tech. This UTEP team, it's not the laughing stock of college football anymore. It's, you know, I mean, they beat Stephen F. Austin by 10. They got railroaded by Texas, but you can't really blame them for that with the talent discrepancy. They held on to beat Abilene Christian. And they went to La Monroe, and they won by 25. And then they had a bye before this game, and they're going to go to Louisiana Tech. Always helps to have a bye before you travel to wrestling. Look, I, there's some players on this team. Uh, Hardison, their quarterback, I, I like. Hankins, the running back, decent running back. So I think they can hang around in this game against the Louisiana Tech team that is replacing just a ton, and it's kind of a mess right now. Am I crazy for back in minor nation? And you have a story so. to tell about someone, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think you're crazy for backing. I mean, I project I project the game at 12. So taking them at 14, 14 and a half is, I think, worth it, especially with the style of play. And, you know, from a personal standpoint, I flew home from some family last Sunday night and uh, ran into uh, some UTEP players in the airport. Uh, they were on a bye week last week. 
uh, ran into somebody that's going to be playing tight end, uh, Luke Soto, this week. Had a long talk with him about Demel and, and how they're doing their testing, how things are going with the team and uh, their quarterback and the drops and how the defense is playing and the pace of play. And uh, it was just really refreshing to get it. I mean, they are all on the same page down there. They really believe in themselves and they think, I mean, these three wins has just done wonders for this team and their attitude about what they can actually achieve this season. So good for UTEP, a team that, you know, we have uh, – uh, ran to Vegas betting team total unders on for years. So good for these guys. But, I mean, handicapping this game, UTEP is 71st in seconds per play. It takes them 32 seconds to snap the ball. This is not a fast offense whatsoever. But believe it or not, they've had 13 passing plays over 20 yards. North Carolina can't do that. But UTEP is. Uh, that's 15th in the country. Minor UTEP nation. ranks – Minor Nation ranks 15th in the country and plays – passing plays over 20 yards. That's crazy. LaTeX defense, they're now 65th in passing success rate. I think UTEP is going to have a little bit of success here. Uh, UTEP is creating havoc. They've had four forced fumbles. They've had 19 tackles for a loss. Uh, I like UTEP. I, I, haven't, I haven't bought them yet this week. Uh, I do like the under. I do like the under here. I'm probably going to end up taking UTEP, and let's go. We'll be, we'll be looking out for friends of the podcast, and uh, we're all in on Minor Nation here. I mean, yeah, just think about it from a morale perspective with that team. The last three years, they won zero, one, and one games. Two games total over the last three years. They've won three games this year. That's, this is a team that is going to cherish every second of the season after a couple of rough seasons there. Uh, I think that they hang around here and uh, get the cover. Minor Nation. Can't wait to hear from our friend. Uh, the last game I wanted to cover here is Navy Temple at BetMGM. Navy is a three-and-a-half-point home underdog against Temple, over under 50-and-a-half. I wanted to bring this game up because of a trend that I wanted to bring up and point out for this year about teams playing their first – I did an article on Action Network if you haven't seen it – Teams playing their first game of the year against teams who have already played. It's, a, it's been a huge advantage historically. 55, 56% against the spread over the last 35 years. And the reason for that, and it's, some, it's counterintuitive to some people because you would say, uh, all right, this team already got a game under their belt, shook off some of the rust, they got some game action. So that should give them an edge against a team who hasn't played. But that does not outweigh the film advantage that you have. Think about college football teams, all the turnover, coaching, staff. If you have a, you know, coming into a, a, a season in your opener, you can show off some new things. You're going to have different personnel, maybe different staff. So if a team's already played one or two games and you haven't, you have a huge film advantage on that team, whereas they have nothing on you. Coming into this year, I thought that that advantage might be diminished because I thought that potentially playing a game would be worth much more this year after shortened springs and summers. That has not been the case. Teams playing their first game this year against teams who have already played at least one game are 22-6 and six against the spread, covering by an average of nine points per game. That's, I mean, staggering. That includes FCS versus FBS matchups as well. So it's been just dominant. It's been dominant historically. It's been even more dominant this year. So it's showing that film edge is still there. The one game that we have that fits that criteria this week is with Temple, who will be playing their first game against Navy. Navy will have nothing on Temple. I don't necessarily know if it usually would be a huge advantage to have film on Navy. You generally know what they're going to do. But Navy 
is throwing a little bit more with Dalen Morris, their quarterback who didn't go travel to Air Force because of a medical condition that can flare up in, in elevation and the altitude out there. He'll be back this week. They know that, you know, they might be able to throw a little more. They've seen some tape on Dalen Morris. And it doesn't hurt to have extra time to prepare for the triple option. It's hard for me to get a read on Temple, but I just wanted to point that out, not only for this week, but moving forward and in years in years to come. The team playing a first game against a team already played, it might be counterintuitive to some, but they usually have an edge. Uh, any thoughts on Navy versus Temple? No, I, I think I, I kind of liked Navy in this game. Uh, I, I'm not a Rod Carey fan, and they've had some turnover there at the program, and I think Navy was playing coy for a while. I'm not really sure what was going on. I mean, they're finally tackling in themselves uh, in practice. So uh, this was a Navy game for me, and I know the trends of teams, you know, not playing versus teams in the first game. I mean, we got to, you and I are recording on Thursday. It's about to happen here with Houston, so we'll see how this turns out this week. All right, before we get to three and out, we got to talk some FCS in FC yes or no. Southland or SEC? Big Sky or Big Ten? It's time to play FC yes or no. I'm excited for this one. Army Citadel. We need two, this isn't two service to get two FBS service categories, but these are two triple option military schools that are renewing their rivalry. The most illustrious moments in Citadel's history, maybe we're back in 1991 and 1992 when they beat army and they haven't played since army beat them 25, 24 back in 1994. Look, these teams are obviously very similar. They run triple options. They have to overcome some recruiting shortcomings in the talent department, and then they do it with a unique scheme. Look, Citadel is not a great football team. Just throw that out right now. They've, but they've played two FBS schools already. They've also had a bye before this game. They've just been really sloppy. Like, if you go back to the South Florida game, they lost, I think, by 30. That game was like 7-6 towards the end of the first half. And then they their punter was the – you got to see it. It was like – I'll tweet it out. It was like the worst punt I've ever seen. He punted it like – he was like trying to run back in the end zone. He muffed it. And then he ended up like punting it from the end zone, a half a yard, a half a yard into another guy's hands, went right into South Florida players hands. So it was officially recorded as a punt for no yards and a no yard kickoff punt return touchdown. One of the most ridiculous plays you ever see, but they've had 24 penalties, seven turnovers. I mean, it's been a mess against Eastern Kentucky. They also lost, I think by 30, but the box score is dead even. This team has had to deal with a lot. They had 11 players opt out, including, you know, an All-American transfer running back. Most of their starting backfield. I mean, this is a team that had to play with a converted quarterback at the B-back. It, it was a mess. They have do have a senior quarterback in Brandon Rainey. He'll run it like 20 times. Not going to be that explosive. But this is a team that's ran it 169 times in three games. They're 0-3. They're averaging only 3.7 yards per carry. They did find a little something with – Against Eastern Kentucky, though, they ran it 67 times for 347 yards. Again, the yards were about equal. Citadel just turned it over three times and didn't force any. So I think with this bye week, over these the two weeks, they can clean some of that up. They can get their conditioning right. Like their backfield, again, it was a converted quarterback at slot back and a converted linebacker at fullback, both freshmen against USF, and they had no depth. So, like, these guys were so winded and – so they started to iron some of that out against Eastern Kentucky. Now they have a bye week. 
they see the triple option all the time on defense, and we know the triple option history, eight unders between service categories have hit about an 80% clip. So you know that this game, there's going to be not a lot of possessions. The clock's going to be speed racing. I think that Citadel coming after a bye, this is their Super Bowl. They're going up to Army. This is their final game of the year. This is their fourth and final game. That's all they have. And, you know, for their seniors to try and get this win, I, they're, they're going to be up for this game. So you know I always love Service Academy Unders. I immediately took an under 51 when this came out. I immediately took plus 31. I like under 47 or above. I think it uh, totals now at 47, 48. I like Citadel at anything 30 or above. I think this game will be ugly. And they, Citadel will hang around just enough to lose by three touchdowns by 24. And keep in mind that these coaching staffs are very, very close. They run in the same recruiting circles. They've, you know, they've armies hired people from Citadel. They've had like zoom meetings. They visit each other. I mean, they're just in the same circles of these military academies, very, very close teams. I don't think army would under any circumstance, try to run this up. They'll, they'll, you know, they're not going to have a last second score like you saw against Abilene Christian. Oh, I still have nightmares about that. So I think you, you would see knees instead. Um, so that maybe could come into play. So I like the under and I like Citadel in the FCS special between two military academy schools. I think this is on 130 on CBS Sports Network. So, you know, I'll find a TV somewhere to have this on. Let's go three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. All right, first down, we got to talk Friday night lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. On Friday night, we have Louisville, five-point favorite at BetMGM, over under 63-and-a-half at Georgia Tech. What do you see here? Yeah, I took the under 64-and-a-half on this one. Uh, You know, Georgia Tech has – they've had a tempo change, and Sims are running a very fast offense, uh, faster than usual, at least for the Yellow Jackets. They're one of the worst in the nation finishing drives. I mean, the theme of the podcast has been finishing drives. Are you scoring points when you get past the 40? Georgia Tech is not. They're one of the worst. Louisville's defense is 12th in the nation in finishing drives, so they are stopping people after they, they get it to, you know, into their territory. Um, I expect Louisville to kind of get back up on that horse and have explosive running plays after facing the defenses of Pitt and Miami. I mean, it's not hard to look bad against those two defenses, and I think Louisville's going to have some success here on offense. You know, it's hurt their havoc allowed. I kind of throw that whole 70th ranking of havoc allowed away because that is the Pitt and Miami defenses. This is not the Georgia Tech defense. So while I haven't taken anybody on the side, I, I am favoring the under in this game just because of Georgia Tech's ability to really not get any points when they get into opponent territory. Yeah, one thing most worth noting here is Louisville's quarterback, Malik Cunningham, uh, he is expected back under center on Friday night against Georgia Tech. He got carted off against Pitt. Turnovers have been a problem for him. Um, he, you know, last year, he threw 22 touchdowns and only five picks in 12 games. And this year, he's already thrown five picks. And he fumbled once, so he's got to cut down on the turnovers. Um, I don't hate that under look on Friday night. All right, let's move on to second down here and talk our favorite overdog. It's called the overdog parlay. Uh, I'll start. It would have been Auburn if there wasn't weather. But, I mean, just all this weather introduces so much variance. It's hard to find a non-weather favorite this week. So, I guess I'll just – I got to get a shout-out for – I played this game at minus 14. I'll say Arkansas State, who I just auto-play every week. I don't care if I lose. (laughs) And I got to get a shout-out for 
Jay Adams this week on the podcast. The most electrifying player in college football. Guess who? Jonathan Adams. That is an unbelievable catch. That is like OBJ. Quarter this time. Oh, Adams. What a play. You would have thought he was LeBron James posting up. Stop it. This is not real. This kid is amazing. Uh, I will tell you that they are right now, they're minus 15 at home against Central Arkansas. Um, I make this closer to 20, so I do see value in it. I'll say Arkansas State and the Red Wolves and uh, go off, Adams. Jonathan Adams. This young man is an absolute freak. You, favorite overdog? Yeah, I'm going to go back and say Iowa State. For everything that I said before, it's Brocktober. Uh, I think they're going to, you know, they've had success covering uh, for the last five games against Texas Tech. I believe that they're going to be able to prevent Bowman from hitting his hot route. Uh, so give me the Cyclones. All right, let's move on to third down here. Our favorite money line underdog for our underdog weekly underdog money line parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. We are four and four on the year for like plus six units. We have our weekly piece. We'll write these up as well on actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app. I've hit three of four, all a touchdown or greater. And this week, going soft. I, I don't love any large underdogs. I thought about Tennessee, but I knew that you would kill me. And I ultimately don't think that they can win the game. So I'm going to go with a short underdog here in a team I believe is going to I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. Why? I'm going with Hook'em Horns. I think they find a way to win this game. How about you? Are your favorite yeah, I'll take another short one, too. I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. I just I, I keep coming back to the fact that Sam Howell has not completed a pass over 20 yards, and I love what Virginia Tech has on offense. Just And Hendon Hooker coming back. I mean, you throw him in. Khalil Herbert, give me the Hokies all day. That's three downs. But, look, the trend, which I love in all football, is going for it more on fourth downs in college football and NFL. So let's have a bonus fourth down here really quick before we get out of here. Kyle will have a video and an article about his round, his round robin underdog money line that was insane last week. So you don't have to have it finalized here. I don't know if you do or not, but just share a couple, some early thoughts on your round robin for week six. Well, I mean, we hit six or seven last week, and I'm really glad that happened. And this happens every year. I mean, last year we kind of toiled around hitting three of seven, hitting four of seven, and there was a couple of weeks we hit six of seven. Two years ago we hit a seven of seven, and uh, uh, I think, so. you know, I mean, I bought a boat off of doing this a couple of years ago. So, uh, you know, it, it these can pay off, but I will warn everybody, there's a week where you'll go one and seven. So don't, you know, just, just because you or win doesn't – yeah, or a couple of weeks. So just because you win doesn't mean you need to increase your bet size. Make this, you know, 5% of what your total unit cost is. It shouldn't be high. That's why I joke around and say you should get a Chipotle bowl. Now, because we had some success, it could be a Chipotle bowl with guacamole on it. So with that being said, of course, Virginia Tech is going to be in this thing. I try to make it around seven. I try to have what I call a boat anchor, which is a very, very small favorite that I think is absolutely going to win. For me, that team is Oklahoma. So Oklahoma will be in it. Uh, Virginia Tech will be in it. You know, the other ones that are on the board, I've, I've pretty much finalized who it's going to be. I know that we'll have some more stuff out at Action Network about who's going to be on that list. North Texas is going to be on the list. There's some problems with Charlotte that I've got, especially Charlotte going on the road. The pace of play that North Texas has, uh, North Texas is a short one. They're going to be in there too. Uh, Western Kentucky, 
Everybody loves Marshall. I love Marshall, but they shouldn't be spotting seven on the road against Western Kentucky. Uh, Western Kentucky is still a decent ball club, so they're going to be in there for me. Syracuse is in there. Uh, Listen, I don't know how Duke is a favorite in a football game. I don't know how this year, what we've seen with everything, how Duke is favored in any football game. And Syracuse, I think, is the worst offensive success rate in the nation. But if you're going to give me two points and you're going to make Duke a favorite, Duke shouldn't be a favorite against anybody, frankly, in the ACC. In ACC play, they shouldn't be. So Duke's going to be in there. Um, other than that, I think we'll, uh, the finalized card, it'll be out there on Action Network. Look for the video. Uh, we shot it. It's being produced. Uh, look forward to being out there. And hopefully, hopefully we can get at least three or four winners in this thing, make everybody some money. All right, there you have it. I appreciate you joining me as always, Colin. Should be an awesome weekend. Light up the voicemails. Go to my Twitter profile, at Stucky2s for the voicemail number. Colin and I disagree on a ton, so the recap, the voicemails and the recap episode should be interesting, which will be out on Monday morning. Uh, But thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you for all of your support. Love you guys. And, you know, everyone in my DMs asking questions about lines. This is our, our personal community. So we love the voicemails. We love your support. As always, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Rate and review really helps us out. Leave a five star, which is why you love the podcast. Or just, hey, love it. Uh, But thanks again for listening. And we'll catch y'all on Monday morning. Good luck this weekend. We'll catch y'all later. Cheers. Peace out. We're finished talking.